Let's pray. Oh, Lord, it's good to be in Your house tonight. Good to worship You. Good to sing Your songs, God. Good to, to be in Your Word. To be with friends as we do that. And Lord, I just come before You tonight and I pray Your blessing on our friends. There's people who have given up time on their Saturday evening to come and join us and worship with us. And we thank You for that, Lord. And we pray Your blessing on them. I pray it's a blessing for them to, to be here tonight. I pray it's an encouragement to them. And... Uh, we just ask God that your favor will be upon their lives. Lord, also on this uh, Veterans Weekend, tomorrow being Veterans Day, Lord, we can't help but pause and think about our veterans. We thank you for their sacrifice and how they have served our country, Lord. And we pray your blessing upon them. They know your joy and your pleasure, Lord. Father, as we pray for our veterans, we also remember that uh, we are at war and we have soldiers right now overseas in conflict. And we continue to pray your peace, your protection over them. We pray for your success in their task and in their work. And Lord, we pray that as soon as possible, very early, Lord, they could return home to be with their families. Lord, you be with those families this weekend uh, and be for them what they need as they've got a loved one that is far away in harm's way, God. I pray that your peace and presence fills their home and their lives also. God, again, we're grateful to be here tonight. We just ask that you continue to fill this place and, and work in each and every life in this room. Lord, we come into your house tonight probably with just almost innumerable needs. God, I pray you'd meet them. I don't know what the need is for each and every person in this room, but I, I pray that they would see your goodness and they would see your faithfulness. I pray that this week they'd see evidence of you working in their lives to bring about uh, an answer to that need. God, we come now to your word, and we just ask that you'd minister to us through it. And uh, let us find life in you and in the word that you've revealed. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. A little bit different look tonight up here with the stool and everything and not having the pulpit. And uh, I guess I'm just trying to create a little bit different look. Uh, not really wanting to preach as much tonight, but maybe just tell a little bit of a story. It's, it's my story, as a matter of fact. I, uh, I grew up in Houston, Texas. I was born in Phoenix, lived in Charlotte for a couple of years, but by and large, most of my growing up years were in Houston, and uh, that's what I call home. I grew up with a, a, a wonderful family. Uh, I, I guess when you think about what you want in a family, I, I had that. I had that growing up. I had a mom and dad that loved and cared for me, that I loved and respected very much, uh, two sisters, Debbie and Amy. And uh, it was just a, it was a good family. I, I look back, I think a family, it's, it's pretty much all good thoughts, all good memories. I was, I was adopted into that family. My sisters were, were not adopted, but I was. And I don't ever remember my mom and dad sitting down with me and saying, we've, we've got big news to tell you. They didn't really do it like that, but rather as I was growing up, they kind of always shared that with me. And uh, I guess probably at the end of explaining that, I left that whole thing kind of feeling like I was probably a little bit more loved, a little bit more chosen than my sisters. So it sounded like a pretty good deal to me. Uh, we were a church-going family. We went to, uh, to church pretty regularly. And, uh, I, you know, I guess growing up, I, even as a child, was interested in spiritual things. I, I believed there was a God. I believed that God knew me and cared about me and loved me. I wanted to know about that, wanted to know more about Him. So I, I kind of grew up that way. Now, there's kind of an interesting twist to my story because I guess you think, man, if you can give children a good home and, and a belief in God, you know, you've, you've gotten them off to a good start. You've given them what they need. But with as good as I had it, 
in some of those ways. I grew up with a, a really great deal of insecurity. I mean, I was afraid. I was afraid of life. I was afraid to leave the house. It, you know, I, I looked out there and I just didn't feel like I measured up. You know, I, I can't tell you. I, I wish I could. I, I can't tell you. Well, there was a person or there was a situation or there was a, an event that made me feel that way. But if there was, I don't remember it. I, I guess I buried it in my childhood memories or something. I don't know why I was the way I was, but I was, I was very insecure, very Afraid. I, I just I, I looked at school and sports and just in so many areas. I didn't feel like I was good enough. I didn't feel like I measured up, and it just kind of made me want to retreat into my house. I told my wife one time it's kind of a pathetic part of my life. There was a number of years there, kind of end of elementary, moving into junior high. My favorite time of day was going to bed. That's kind of sad, isn't it? thing you look forward to most. I had a little clock radio and I'd set it for 30 minutes on sleep. And I'd listen to country one night and rock and roll the next night. It's very disciplined, back and forth. It's the best part of my day, right there. You know, I, I said a moment ago that I uh, grew up in church and up to about this same time that I was really starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed by my insecurities uh, was also kind of time we kind of stopped going to church. I don't, I don't mean stopped completely, but you know, we were the every week family to the every other week family to the once a month family to just however it happened. And the church we were in at that time had some, some beliefs that my parents didn't really understand or agree with. And, you know, we just kind of stopped going. I, probably there was some boredom there, irrelevant. I mean, why go type thing. And uh, while that was happening to our family, it wasn't the heart of my parents for us not to be in church. And so I guess they were, I mean, I, I don't know what they were doing, but I guess they were kind of keeping their ears open and, and watching. And, and sure enough, my mom had heard about this new pastor in town uh, at this church. And they were heard a lot of good things about it's growing and it's exciting, a lot of kids involved and so we went and decided to, to try it out. Now, my parents grew up in the Midwest, and so, uh, you know, I think they were probably open to most denominations except Southern Baptists, because, you know, those people are crazy. You know, they, <laughs> preachers yell and scream, and, you know, you've got to go to church like every day, and there's a long list. Of, they, just, they just had these stereotypes of what Southern Baptist was. Well, that's what this church was that we were going to try out. And so they went with a little bit of hesitation, but we're just looking around. Well, I don't think what they counted on was that my sisters and I would just immediately get caught hook, line and sinker. I mean, we loved being there. We wanted to go back Sunday night. We wanted to go on Wednesday. We wanted to go all the time. And, and I think it just kind of got swept away from my parents. And pretty soon our family was walking down the aisle. We walked down the aisle as a family. We were we were baptized as a family. And, and you know, when I was baptized, when I, when I walked down that aisle, when I was baptized, I, I believed in God, I believed in Jesus, believed in the Bible, believed that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, believed He rose again. I, I believed all of those things. But you know what? There was still this insecurity in my life. Even as I was making these kind of important decisions with my family, there's still that insecurity. And I found out a couple of years later what was missing in my life. It was the uh, May, May, I believe, of my junior year in high school, 1982, 25 years ago. I was sitting in a sermon, and, and, and the preacher was preaching, and he started to tell this story about a baseball game in the 1920s, a true story. It was a World Series 
game, and this, this player gets up and gets this big hit, and you know, he's first, second, third, he turns third, he's charging toward home. It's going to be an in-the-park home run. And uh, the, the, the runner comes, he slides across the plate, the, the throw's high, the catcher comes down, but I mean, he's clearly safe, but the umpire calls him out. Baseball player jumps up in the tirade. What are you talking about? I'm way ahead of the throw. He said, no, you were safe here. You never touched first base. When a second, third, and home, that's where we want to be. That's the goal. It's always more. But none of that counts if you haven't touched first base. I, you know, I'm not even sure I know what the pastor said after the rest of that because I knew right then how the rest of that illustration went. I knew what that story meant. That was me. That was my life. Look like a believer, act like a believer, uh, thought like a believer. I, I mean, I had all of those things. Second, third, and home. I interested, interested in spiritual things. Uh, a, a religious person for my age. I had all that. Second, third, home. But it doesn't count for anything if you haven't touched first base. And, and as I sat there that night in May of 1982, I knew, I knew I had not touched first base. I had believed a lot of things, but it was, it was an empty belief. It was to no purpose. I'd never come to that place where I realized all that, that event stuff out there that I believe in, it was for me. I had to place my life, my faith inside that, that work of Christ. And you know, when I did that that night, everything changed. I don't know how it is for everybody. For me, I immediately knew right then and there, I am a child of God. I've been saved. I am going to heaven. I have eternal life. And I felt a security and a confidence like I had never known before. And I mean to tell you, it actually changed my life. I felt like, man, what do I got to lose? Man, I'm loved by God. I measure up now. I've got nothing to lose. It changed my grades. It changed my sports. It changed my relationships. I mean, I'm describing it as if it's almost some kind of magic pill. And it's not a magic pill. You don't do this and boom, everything in life is fixed. Everything in life works. I, I wouldn't say that, but I'll tell you, for me, it did have that kind of impact. As I said, I, I still have things in life from that day on all the way up through now that everything doesn't work like I would like it to work or like it should. And I'm not a success at everything I do. I fail. I fail people. And I fail the Lord. There's places I still don't measure up. But you know what? As I think about those places now, it's not fear and it's not guilt and it's not judgment that drives me to try to figure out that lack of measuring up. No, I know the measurement's been taken care of. It's grace. It's God's love that motivates me to get out there and go again. In a relationship, in a new day, in a new opportunity, I go. Because I'm loved and I'm accepted. And it changed my life. I, I want to show you just for a moment where I got this good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, I hope you'll get one there in your pew. I want you to see this. This is not what Randy Hahn believes, not what Southern Baptists believe. This is what God said. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to begin in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. It says, Now, brothers... 
I want to clarify for you the gospel. Okay, we throw that word around a lot in church, don't we? The gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Paul says, listen, I, I want you to be very clear about what the gospel is. I want to clarify this word for you. Of course, the word means good news, but what is that good news? I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. So that's what I hadn't done. I believed in some events out there, but I'd never taken my stand on it. I'd never placed my life in it. Verse 2, you are also saved by it if you hold to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believed to no purpose. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received. Now, here it is. Here's, here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what we're saved by, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and He rose again. Now, now this passage goes on because while that's great news and good news, it's kind of unbelievable news, isn't it? I mean, how many people have you seen rise from the dead and walk around again? I haven't seen any. No, we're, we're not used to this kind of thing. I mean, what are you talking about? Rises again. Well, look what, what Paul says here. And then, in that He appeared. Oh, that's very important. This is... This is historical fact. This happened. He appeared to Cephas. That's another name for Peter. Then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one abnormally born, he also appeared to me. Man, folks, this, this happened. This is true. There really was a Jesus. He really was the Son of God. His resurrection proved that. He really died for sins. God really accepted that death as a payment for sins. And He rose again to prove all of that. This actually happened. Now look at verse 2 again. It says, you are saved by it. You're saved by this gospel. You're saved by this good news. what, What am I saved from? You're saved from death. You're saved from sins. You're saved from hell. There is a real hell. We need to be rescued from it. We're saved from all that. But you know what else we're saved from? We're saved from running around the bases, never having realized we missed first. We're saved from a meaningless life. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're like me and don't feel like you measure up in many places. Or maybe you look around and say, man, I measure up great. I make more money than most people I know. I'm successful. I've done everything. Maybe you feel like you measure up fine. You know what? When you die, it all means nothing. It all counts for nothing if you haven't touched first base. Imagine living a whole life, 50, 60, 70, 90 years, and it means nothing. Man, Jesus saves us from that. He saves us from that meaninglessness, that nothingness. But look at this verse here, verse 2 again. Notice the last phrase there, unless you believed to no purpose. That's what I had done. I believed. I was a religious person. I looked like a religious person. I I believed anything and everything that that makes up the good news, that that makes up the Bible, the gospel. I, I absolutely would have affirmed and believed every bit of that, but I believed it to no purpose. Your translation may say, believed in vain. What's in vain? Vain means empty. Vain means it, it, there's, not, there's nothing to it. There's no content to it. Now, now what does that mean 
to believe in something, but it, it's, it's a worthless belief. But I always like to explain it like this. I believe with all of my heart that it's snowing right now. Somewhere in the world, right now, it is snowing. I believe that with every fiber of my being. That belief doesn't mean anything to me. And you know, I didn't make a single decision today based on the fact that, that somewhere on this planet it's snowing. Not, not a single one of my actions today was guided by the fact that it was snowing. Now, if it's snowing in Virginia, that would guide my decisions, wouldn't it? If, if it was snowing right here, that would guide my actions. But I believe it's snowing out there, but that belief ultimately is empty. It, it means nothing to me. It's not going to direct or guide any part of my life. Well, that's what my beliefs were about all this stuff in Scripture. But it was on that night that God said, Hey, Randy, you've, you've never touched for space. I really love you. And I've got so much for you. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to rest in a belief that's empty. That's worthless. And that night is when it became personal. It began to have a purpose in my life. Not only did I believe, but I trusted. I had faith in what Christ had done for me on that cross. And that that faith was to guide and direct everything in my life from there on out. We call it being a follower of Christ. Well, I tell you what, the security that comes in a relationship with God and being forgiven and knowing I measure up in God's eyes. Man, I tell you what, it freed me up to live. Let me ask you a question tonight. Have you come to a biblical understanding and faith and trust that there is real sin and that real sin is in your life. If you come to the understanding that that sin separates you from God, you may look religious, you may hold to traditional beliefs, but that sin separates you from God. And if you physically die in that state, then you'll be eternally lost to hell. Have you come to the understanding that nothing good about you wipes away that sin or erases that sin. It's funny, we call, you know, we, when we think of religious people, we think of people who are doing good deeds and, and working real hard, and yet the Scripture says over and over and over and over, it says it in the old, it says it in the new, we are not saved by our good works. It says our good works do not erase that sin. If you come to the biblical understanding that, that Jesus can erase that sin, His death, on the cross. His blood paid the penalty. His resurrection proves it. Have you come to a place where you touched first base in your life? Where you said, you know what, that's more than just beliefs out there that I adhere to. My whole life is based on that. I stand on that. Have you come to that place in your life where you've made that decision? Well, if you haven't, and there are people in here tonight who haven't, there's way too many for us for that to be the case. There's somebody in here, maybe several that have never touched first base. I'd like to give you an opportunity tonight to touch first base. You know, I, my boys play baseball. They always want more than a single. But you know what? Nothing counts without first base. 
So when we say first base, we're not talking about something that we always want more than. No, this is the most significant step we take. It's the most important step that we take. If you've never made that decision, I'd like to give you that opportunity. I want to say a prayer. And if you know that you've missed first base, if you know that your belief has been without purpose, it's never shown up in how you live and how you decide things, man, tonight you can take care of that. And I'm going to say a prayer, and you can just repeat this prayer after me. And I always feel funny saying that, because I want to make something clear. I'm not saying some magical words, and if you say just these words, exactly like I say them, it doesn't matter if you say it exactly like I say it. If you miss a word, prayer is just a way of expressing the faith in our heart. And if you want Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord, to be a child of God, to be forgiven of your sins, then if it's, that's the desire of your heart, you pray this prayer. And God will hear you. And God will answer. I, I want to say a prayer much like what I said on that night a little over 25 years ago. Boy, I encourage you, if you know tonight, I knew it, I knew it immediately, I'd not touch first. Don't walk back out of here not having taken care of that. Because if you walk back out of here having not taken care of that, you're not a child of God. You're not okay. Life is not okay. Only Jesus can do that. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. If you need this prayer, you repeat it after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen.